You know, the CrossFit brand is an amazing, powerful brand. And if you were a gym owner and you started a CrossFit box or gym, there was a lot of power in that. But there was also some negative that eventually came with that. In this week's episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast, I visit with Matt Scanlon. He is the founder of one of those CrossFit gyms that has now expanded and grown into be something entirely different into a really a healthcare or wellness mecca. Check it out. Stuff like payroll and benefits are hard. That's why I switched to Gusto. And to help support the show, Gusto is offering our listeners an exclusive limited time deal. You sign up for their payroll service today, you'll get three months free once you run your first payroll. Just go to gusto.com slash tape. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jance and my guest today is Matt Scanlon. He is the founder of the Hill KC CrossFit Memorial Hill. It's also referred to as, he happens to be a local person. I rarely get to do a Kansas City show, so um, even though we're just across town, um, it doesn't get much closer than this. So Matt, thanks for joining me. Yeah, I appreciate it, John. Thanks for having me. So I, you know, I would kind of fumble around and say what the hill is, but I'm going to let you describe it in uh, sort of the glorious terms that you now tell people when they say, so what do you do, Matt? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, the hill has gone through a lot of different iterations. Uh, you know, we, we are a health and wellness facility here in Kansas City. Uh, you know, under that umbrella, we do your standard kind of group exercise classes, personal training and things like that. And that was sort of the bread and butter of how we, we started out. But, uh, but since, but since we've, uh, formed in 2012, we've kind of expanded to do some things on the corporate wellness front. We, we actually have some digital products that we now do remotely with some different offices around the Midwest. We have started a nonprofit organization under our umbrella that serves people with disabilities uh, cancer survivors and senior citizens on a fixed income, and and most recently we have uh, expanded that nonprofit organization to include some veteran services for veterans coming out of active duty service. So, w- what kind of basically started out as as people uh, working out has kind of grown into to a little bit. Uh, <laughs> a little bit more complex of an organization, I guess. Yeah. So, so under the umbrella of, mm-hmm. of you know, rather than just being a gym, I mean, you're calling it a wellness facility or wellness uh, business, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so let's go back to your beginnings. You were initially, um, at least my understanding, and I have a little bit of history, um, yep. <laughs> is you were initially a CrossFit. Um, I think maybe you might even called it a box at the time. That is correct. Yep. Talk to me a little bit about that. CrossFit has, you know, I, I'm a, I'm one of those people that see, you know, there's CrossFit has had a lot of its negative. It's had a lot of positive. I happen to think that it revolutionized this whole idea of, of the social aspect and group <laughs> exercise aspect. Um, but, you know, as far as, you know, it being where it was 2010, 2012, um, it's kind of come under, um, I, I don't even know the right term, but I mean, it's, it's certainly not what it was maybe five years ago, was it? Yeah, 100%. And actually, I would even say on a, on a more fundamental level, John, uh, it, it, I think it's, it's a crazy thought to think that the fitness industry as a whole probably 
was more predicated on people not going to the gym than it was people actually stepping foot into a gym. Um, you know, so if you were to think about your typical, uh, you know, your typical, you know, not, I won't name any, any, any brands or anything like that, but you, you know, nothing like 24 hour fitness or, um, (laughs) gold's gym, or I'm sorry, I'm naming them for you. No spot on. You're spot on. So, so you have to think, you know, for 50 years of this industry, uh, these businesses survived on what utilization rates. So like, you know, if less than 10 people that pay me actually use my business, I'm in good shape. So I would say on a very fundamental level, CrossFit came on the scene and is like, guys, this is a joke. If people are going to have a gym membership, they should actually be getting in shape. They should actually be going. And so because of that, it was a very disruptive voice in the fitness industry. And and along with that came came uh, certainly some some negative attitudes. Well, and, and and I think that you know it probably was compounded by the fact that they started cropping up like mushrooms, you know, everywhere. <laughs> um, and, and and so unfortunately, um, you know, that meant there were some people that weren't as committed to you know people's safety as maybe they should have been, and um, there weren't necessarily people who ran businesses like real businesses, and so you had a lot of fallout, I think, from the industry as a whole, didn't you? Uh, most certainly. Yeah, it, it, the the roots of CrossFit were it was an it was an open source community that started on the internet first and foremost. So uh, by nature, it was it, it was the wild west. You know, you had people opening affiliates in their garage and and really taking. It was kind of first time that you know this. We're talking you know two thousand one. People are taking this information off of the internet and turning it into these brick and mortar sort of locations where people were working out. So so the best practices did not really become evident for, you know, probably five to 10 years after that first organic, you know, wildfire took off. And, and it's something that we're certainly now, it's very evident what best practices in coaching and teaching and, and business are. And that's become much more widely available to the affiliates. And it's, it's matured a lot since then, I would say. And you you still offer the CrossFit programming, right? Correct. Yeah, that's that's the core of what we do. About fifty five percent of our business is what you would consider to be uh, your traditional CrossFit classes. So, have you? How have you? Or have you? I should say, um, kind of shaken the sort of what people's perception of people who didn't know necessarily uh, their perception of CrossFit, and and maybe the fact that somebody who wanted to get in shape. Um, was sort of intimidated by CrossFit. I mean, you you've changed the name. You you in your intro didn't mention CrossFit, so you've clearly um, are are positioning your gym, even though that's the programming. You're positioning it for maybe somebody else. It's it, that's a real. It's an interesting thing, John. That I I would say that even today, I am still struggling with how do I interact with that brand. Um, on one hand. You, you as a as a marketing expert, you you understand that uh, for somebody to have like that instantaneous brand recognition and almost that like, hey, choose a side. Really, you can't pay enough money for that kind of brand recognition. So, on one hand, I, I'm struggling with that. Like the general public knows what that means, whether they like it or hate it. There's still recognition there, and that to me is an important factor. Uh, but then there's this other side of the coin to where I realized that we started to have people coming into the gym 
who were like stroke survivors. And I mean, we're talking, I mean, in our gym, it is not uncommon to see people walk for the first time after an accident. And these are people doing CrossFit and learning to walk and learning to stand up and learning to transfer out of wheelchairs. And they identify as CrossFitters. But then I would uh, turn around and maybe uh, reach out to their physical therapist or maybe their oncologist. And I would say, hey, listen, I'd like to, you know, I'd like to get a, a confidentiality sign so I could kind of we can integrate this treatment protocol a little bit. And I realized if I was emailing them from Matt at CrossFitMemorialHill.com, I'm never getting a response. Now, if I'm emailing them Matt at the HillKC.com, oh, I'm immediately getting a response from these physicians. So I'm stuck between these two very different worlds where the thing that's occurring inside of our four walls versus the perception of what's occurring are two pretty disparate experiences. So I'll tell you what, like it, it, this is definitely something that I'm wrestling with uh, at this very moment, to be honest. And and, and, as, and I suspect that, you know, it will continue to mature and who knows where the brand will be in five years. But I, my guess is the reality of CrossFit is quite different than the perception, particularly the perception from five years ago. Uh, you know, I had this moment where uh, we, we were, as we're transitioning, we're, we're in the middle of expanding our space and and really kind of bringing all of these businesses under the same umbrella and so we've been having this conversation of branding a lot lately. And, and I realized that, you know, I, I started to ask some of our members, take them out for coffee and ask them about their experiences. And I realized that all of these people, whether they came in for CrossFit or not, once they were in the door, they began to identify themselves as CrossFitters. And I realized that they weren't, that they, they don't identify as a CrossFitter because of the methodology or because there's this perception of it being dangerous or hard, it they've created that identity because they did something that they were maybe afraid of doing, and maybe like this idea, this this CrossFit was such a, uh, a a massive mountain that they could never climb, and then all of a sudden they did it. And so there's a part of me that I don't want to necessarily take that away from them. Maybe I don't want to remove the the fear or the hesitation that they have, because once they conquer it, that feeling of accomplishment is amazing, right? Like nobody identifies as a, uh, you know, nobody has a Pilates bumper sticker. Nobody feels that doing a Pilates class was the the biggest fear of their life that they conquered. And and so I'm, I'm kind of, I, that's not something I want to take away from my members, you know? Well, and I think, I, I mean, I think the key, and you've certainly headed down this path, is, you know, education, education, education. C yeah, certainly. Yeah. And it's and it's one of those things where it's, uh, you know, we're, we're trying to tell the story of it's, you know, it's quality coaching, it's good programming and relationships. And, you know, whether, you know, whether your personal trainer at Gold's got a uh, internet certification and they could be an amazing coach, they could be a terrible coach. It really just comes down to those relationships. Wouldn't it be great if in your business, all you had to do was the stuff you love, the reason you started the business and not all that administrative stuff like payroll and benefits. That stuff's hard, especially when you're a small business. Now, I've been delegating my payroll for years to one of those big corporate companies. And I always felt like a little tiny fish, but now there is a much better way. I've switched over to Gusto, and it is making payroll and benefits and HR easy 
for the modern small business. You no longer have to be a big company to get great technology, great benefits, and great service to take care of your team. To help support the show, Gusto is offering our listeners an exclusive limited-time deal. If you sign up today, you'll get three months free once you run your first payroll. Just go to gusto.com forward slash tape. So let's talk a little bit about where you're trying to take the hill, Casey. You alluded to some expansion and uh, not just expansion of physical space, but of programming in general. Yeah, um, the the idea, we're trying to bring more people under the umbrella of what we're doing. And, and, that's, and, and we're actually bringing in a lot of healthcare providers into the mix. And one thing, so my background prior to, to owning and operating the gym was in healthcare management. And I, and I realized very early on in managing some different healthcare facilities and, and state programs that there's a big chasm in what the general population needs for their preventative health and the infrastructure that traditional healthcare has. And, and so right, the goal is to begin to bridge that gap. So, so we're, now we're having conversations with uh, physicians and chiropractors and dietitians and acupuncturists. I mean, really, everything is on the table uh, because our ultimate mission is to solve preventative health issues. And that's what we do. I mean, that's that's the the core of exercise and nutrition. And so we're realizing, okay, how, how much can we bridge the gap between traditional healthcare model and preventative? And, and so, so this expansion is bringing as many people that actually care about solving that problem to the table as possible. So my question is, I mean, I think a lot of people are headed this direction and, and I think ultimately, I don't know, Seems like it should have happened already, but in ten years, um, you know, this will be this will be healthcare, um, I think. But you know, at what point do you know it's still looked at as alternative um, in in you know many circles? At what point do we cross over to where actually this is traditional healthcare? Oh, that's a great question. And, uh, this is like this is this is the stuff that gets me going, John. Uh, <laughs> so. It, it's at the point that it becomes it's at the point that the current model becomes cost prohibitive and and we're at a pretty close tipping point i mean i i am you know i am in my mid 30s super healthy i don't know that i've been to the doctor in 2 years and and i'm paying health insurance premiums that are absolutely ridiculous almost $500 a month in catastrophic health you know uh health insurance premiums and as, as people bring more creative solutions to the marketplace, cost of care as it exists now bloats so much, uh, I think that we'll, we'll hit a tipping point where it's no longer considered alternative. Uh, and, and I hope, like really my hope and, and what we're trying to solve here is that, that you know, this model of healthcare isn't reserved for like a privileged few, but that there can be a, a – um, a proof of concept, I guess, to kind of show how to deliver good preventative health services to people. Yeah, and I think it's like everything. I mean, you've got generations on on you know both ends of the spectrum right now. I mean, I I have uh, aging uh, parents, and so I spend you know some time in the traditional you know system 
that is ill-equipped <laughs> to do anything but you know, give out drugs and beds. Um, and, you know, it just, it pains me to see. And, and I, but I think we're, you know, I think because these things don't, you don't like stroke a pen and it's changed. I mean, I think we're a generation away from, from what ultimately is obvious. Uh, you, uh, you nailed it. I, I, you know, my mother-in-law recently had a, uh, a, a very extensive emergency surgery that most people her age uh, really don't recover from. I mean, it results in a significant interruption of life. And and you, you go in her garage. She's got a barbell in her garage. She's swinging kettlebells. She's you know she's up at five in the morning, like getting after it every day. And and you see, like when you see things like that, and you see, oh, because of her, you know, daily just preparation and caring about her nutrition and. And and working out all these things that you should be doing, her her quality of life now and her ability to still work and travel and do the things that she wants, it, it, it's still there. She's able to do these things with you know like forty minutes a day of just preventative maintenance. That's a it's a great value proposition when you see it occur in that way. Absolutely. So. A lot of businesses, I mean, your business has evolved, you know, dramatically, um, as we've just talked about it. Um, a lot of businesses um, come up with a real challenge when they attempt to do that. Um, and that, you know, you had some of those original people that wanted to hang out in the box, right? And that were some of, you know, the folks that were originally attracted to you. How has, um, and maybe it hasn't changed at all, but how has your client today changed and how have you kind of managed growing into something that you weren't originally when it came to, you know, kind of obviously keeping your existing clients happy? Yeah. Oh, great question. It's had more, honestly, it's had more to do with me figuring out what I want out of this thing than it has had to do with my clients themselves. And, and that's, it's sort of me kind of finding, I mean, you know, this, John, you like, you build a business and it takes everything from you, especially in the first five years, you are, sacrificing uh pretty much everything for this business and you know and there were plenty of moments where i had i had to ask myself is this sacrifice worth exercise like it, it do i truly enjoy exercise to the extent that i'm willing to make this sacrifice and and, and the answer that i came to is like no i don't actually enjoy the fitness industry i don't necessarily i'm not that passionate about exercise. Uh, so I had to figure out, well, what is the thing I'm trying to do here? What initially drew me to this thing? And it really was, it, it was the, the health and the, and, uh, and the, like the mental fortitude, like getting better, trying new things and, and overcoming difficulty. Like these are the things that I, that I personally got out of bed for. And so then I kind of realized that our clientele Either they were the same people that sort of followed suit and got fired up about that, or maybe they left and they were replaced by new people that got fired up at the prospect of like this holistic betterment of oneself and their community. So one of the things that uh, particularly a lot of uh, what I would call traditional brick and mortar businesses suffer from is, you know, you, you, you can only attract clients for whom 
you know, your geographic location <laughs> works for them in, in their life. And so, you, you know, in some ways your market's a little uh, restricted to that. But you have taken what I think is a very wise step for almost any business today, and that is to start creating digital projects, products, to start actually uh, creating products for the industry. I think you have something called 321 Go Project that is uh, just that. And, and you know, what what's What's been your thinking in terms of, you know, trying to expand in that manner? Uh, Just what you said. uh, There's the geographical issues. There's also this element of scalability and relationships, realizing that the the secret sauce of what we have is the fact that, you know, I'll walk outside my office right now and I'll see some members. I'll know all their first names. I'll know, you know, what their kids are up to. I'll know where they went to college and know what they did over the weekend. And there, there are very real limits on the amount of people that you can have a relationship like that with. And so realizing that if I wanted to scale this thing up and provide additional career opportunities to other people under under this umbrella, that we would have to figure out ways to do that without sacrificing our core competency, which is relationships. So then we've kind of moved into creating a ton of digital assets and content, pulling a lot of stuff online, uh, working with companies remotely. And, and really, thankfully, we live in a day and age where that's not terribly difficult to do. And at the time that we opened even, I mean, 2011 and 12, there's no way that that would have even been on my mind. So, so, so Matt, tell um, kind of run, run uh, to the end of our time here. So tell people mm-hmm. where they can find out more about what you're up to, whether they're in Kansas City or not. Yeah. So uh, thehillkc.com has got everything there. It's got all our, all of our programs there. There's a cool little feature called Coach's Corner uh, that people can go to. That's where a lot of our digital assets live. Uh, and then for the for the work that I do on the industry side of things, uh, I'm a part of a company called 321 Go Project, where we sort of take best practices. We've recently developed a really cool software on behavior change in businesses like ours. So, uh, yeah, so 321goproject.com and thehillkc.com is, is where I'm at. Awesome. Well, thanks for uh, joining us, uh, Matt, and uh, I have no excuse not to stop by and see you. All right. Thanks, John. Thanks, John.